Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so as you've seen across social media, this is a big one for offside lacrosse. We are sitting down today with the commissioner of the NLL, Nick Sakasis. Hopefully I didn't botch that last name, sir. <laughs> Sakevich. No I've worries. been practicing. You know, is, I just listened to Rod Peterson say it like seven times. And Nick I still, is fine, Jerry. Nick is fine. All right. Well, Nick, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, obviously, my co-host is always Josh Egan down below there, getting set up and ready to roll. Uh, this one's big for us because obviously we are really enjoying the Thunderbirds here in Halifax. Uh, we get to talk with Charlie Ragusa and obviously a lot of the people from the Thunderbirds organization, but it's good to expand that and who better to have on as the first guest beyond the Thunderbirds than the commission himself to ask you a few questions about the league. So for you, how's everything going today? And I know you had a little uh, late landing getting in here, so how's everything going now? Yeah, no, all good. Uh, you know, it's been it's been uh, kind of a bittersweet year. Uh, obviously, not having been able to play a game because of the global pandemic. But on the business side, it's been really good. A couple expansion teams, two existing team sales, which set a new benchmark for valuations in the league and a Fanatics deal and a Fanatics uh, website up in Canada launch and lot, lots of good stuff on the business side. And we kind of feel like we were regaining the momentum we had before we shut down, but just really ready to get back to playing lacrosse. Well, you talk about shutting down. I want to ask you that question right out of the gate. Obviously, that was a tough one. You know, we no one knew what COVID was going to bring. No one knew if we'd get back or not. And then to lose the entire season, especially like you said, with the momentum building, and really eyeballs really turning to the NLL. I'm wondering for you, you know, how difficult was that decision uh, to, you know, lose that season, especially where you've seen other leagues going into bubbles and doing different things to keep their seasons rolling. How difficult was it for the NLL to park that and say, you know what, the safety is more important and we'll come back for a full season in 21-22? Well, the, the, all the decisions we've made along the way um, – you know, we've tried returning to play a number of times, um, as you probably know, uh, over the course of the last 12 months. Those decisions, I have to say, have been the hardest of my 27 years in this business. Um, very, very difficult. Obviously, safety and fan safety, player safety was always the first uh, priority and the second and third priority. So we were just finding ways, like all the leagues have been, doing to find ways to return to play. But at the end of the day, um, you, you know what's happened and, you know, things are getting so much better now. Um, we're really excited about uh, December 3rd, which is opening weekend, the start of opening weekend. We've got a great slate of games uh, scheduled for that weekend, and we're really excited to get back at, uh, back at it. I'm making my first trip to Toronto this week to visit our new uh, broadcast partners at TSN up there in the GTA. So I'm excited about that and just getting things back to normal. So it's been a little bittersweet for us, both on the business side, very good. We had a really fantastic year um, from a revenue standpoint and an operations standpoint, believe it or not, 
even though we haven't played a game. But we, we are really missing the game. Well, let's talk about that TV deal for just a moment because obviously that is a, a, you know, a landmark deal for you guys. Um, so what is that going to entail? Can you give us any details? You know, is it going to be a regular season game or two a week? Is it mm-hmm. going to be the full sched? What is exactly going to be the TSN experience, I guess, for the NLL fan to take in games? Yeah, so it is a historic deal for the league. We will have a linear game of the week on uh, one of the TSN linear channels every week. Um, coast-to-coast distribution in Canada on those roughly 20 games. It could be more, but roughly 20 games because there's 20 weeks of the season, however many weeks we end up having when the schedule comes out. There'll be an official game of the week. You know, it'll be lacrosse night in Canada and across Canada, and we're excited about that component. And then um, pretty much every other game will be streamed on TSN Go, their streaming platform. Uh, So fans across Canada will be able to see – every game that the NLL produces this year Um, as part of the, you know, lacrosse night in Canada game of the week, so to speak. um, There will always be a Canadian team featured. And in many cases, probably both teams will be Canadian teams. And we're really excited about that because it's uh, the, the national lacrosse league has never had a distribution platform like that in its history. Yeah, well, getting to be able to be on national television, even for that one game a week, it's more eyeballs on the sport. And we talked about it before we jumped on. I talked about how exciting it is here in Halifax. And then, of course, the momentum with adding Vegas and, you know, the names attached to who are going to be running Vegas and owning Vegas. That is huge. And then, of course, you have Texas coming in and then what's gone on in Halifax and just how things have been done right. It's just a big ball of momentum. Um, for you, what are you hoping beyond I guess, the one game a week to get more going for the, the National Lacrosse League. Obviously, you're going to be on TSN Go as well, which is huge. But obviously, you want more games on. Is this just a, a year-by-year approach? Or is it a multi-year deal where it's one game a week for the foreseeable future? No, the TSN deal is a multi-year deal. Um, and that's really important to be able to attract, you know, more viewership, more sponsors, um, uh, and have a more dynamic distribution base in, in Canada. We are working on a very similar deal in the U.S. Um, with a major broadcast partner and are hoping to make that announcement in the next month or so, uh, certainly before our preseason starts. There you go. Um, so for you, I want to ask the question, what drives the passion for you for the NLL? We know what you've done with Major League Soccer, um, you know, where you've taken that to new heights. And now you've done the same here in the NLL. You brought more teams back in. You brought in, you know, blue chip owners. Um, you know, just the expansion, just the way it feels. It feels like it's been done right. And you talk a lot about the Indigenous roots as well. And that seems to be woven through, especially you watched how Halifax came into the league and incorporated all that together. Um, For you, what's the passion? What's the drive to take the NLL to the next level? Well, everything you just said, Jamie, I I just, I've fallen in love with this game. Uh, I think it's the, the best lacrosse players in the world. The athletes are phenomenal. The competition itself is world-class in every way. Um, Many of our teams, like the Thunderbirds, put on an incredible show for the fans. The fans are so passionate, and that's what what I enjoy the most. Um, And, you know, look, we have – we did a a lot of great things in Major League Soccer over my 21 years there, and and the NLL is on a similar trajectory. Um, now we've laid the foundation, but make no mistake, the league has a long way to go before it 
it achieves the level of success that Major League Soccer has achieved. And, you know, we approach every strategic plan every year, every five-year plan very humbly and very um, self-reflective to get better and better each and every year. So um, the NLL is a long way to go. And I guess that that's part of what I'm really passionate about is that we have, you know, probably 10 to 20 more years of expansion and growing the game and growing the sport. And, you know, over the last five years, our franchise values have increased 11 and a half times from where they were when I first joined the league. And, and that's a, that's a great benchmark, but, but we, if we could do that again over the next five years, um, the NLL teams will have incredible value in, in their respective markets. And we're really excited about that. Well, one thing I want to ask, obviously, about stepping in as commissioner, when you stepped in, what was the first thing for you that came to mind that, hey, this is something we need to address to change not just the culture, but the way the NLL was viewed to take it to those next levels you're speaking about? Um, really five things. And, and those five things are the priorities that we built the league around over the last um, five or six years. Um, the first is the league was nine teams and had some, had some weak owners and some markets that didn't have great arena deals. And, um, you know, the league was candidly, you know, probably nine teams and, and it headed in a direction of seven teams. So we immediately had to shore up those teams and brought new owners in and really created stability for those markets. The other thing we did, uh, we, we needed in part and parcel with that was to lay out an expansion plan. Um, the lead, league needed a bigger footprint. We just didn't have enough teams for scale, scale to grow a commercial revenue business, scale to grow a TV and media business. Um, TSN wasn't interested in the NLL at that time. Other big broadcasters in the U.S. weren't interested at that time because our scale wasn't big enough. Non-endemic partners like Anheuser-Busch, Michelob Ultra, Geico, partners that we brought on uh, over this time weren't interested in the NLL because it didn't have a big enough footprint. So first priority was expansion. Second priority was, and the rocket fuel that drove the, the, drove the growth of Major League Soccer was attendance growth. Uh, Major League Soccer had year-on-year -year attendance growth over a sustained period of time, 10, 15 years. And over that sustained period of time, that attracted more owners, more investors. Attendance was growing. Commensurate to that, viewership in, in television was growing. And that helped fuel the flame of Major League Soccer's growth. Same things happening in the NLL. So that was a second really important priority. Third one was establishing a commercial business. The league really only had one source of revenue and team got a, a carpet and an arena to play nine games in. There wasn't really a national commercial um, sponsorship uh, business. There was no media business. There was no e-commerce business. The NLL had never sold merchandise on the internet with an e-commerce partner. So we've changed all of that. We now have a media business that is generating rights fees, albeit small and modest, but it's a business and we're growing it. We have a, a streaming business as well, where all the games for the NLL are available to fans, and that's a growing business. We announced the uh, relationship with Fanatics uh, back in November, and we'll be really on full-on launch in Canada and the U.S. with uh, websites available in both countries to buy merchandise and make that available to the fans. And then the last thing we've been building, which we haven't had a chance to launch yet, is a sports betting business. 
which we'll be launching in December in our new in our new season. So we have all of these new revenue streams that now going into the next phase commercially is going to be our focus on growing those revenue streams. And lastly, I'll say um, we really have got, come a long way with our relationship with the NLL Players Association, the newly named NLLPA, and with the new leadership of Zach Courier and Reed Reinhold, we've really be, been able to become partners in growing the league and, and our business. And that's going to be fundamentally very, very important on a go-forward basis. You cannot grow a young league. You know, the NLL isn't young. We're 35 years old, but we're yeah. kind of young because we've only been kind of on a path of growth for the last five years. But you cannot sustainably and effectively accelerate the growth of a league like the National Lacrosse League without the cooperation and partnership of the players. And we feel really good that we've been able to really cement a strong go-forward relationship with Zach and Reed and the player representatives. So the sports betting, would that be, is that going to be, say, online? Would it be in arena? Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I'm, I love gambling on sports, and I just wish that there was more in arena betting where I'm from. Is that going to be a possibility? No question. Um, so, you know, we, we, it's, it's, co it's a complicated business to get into. Yeah. Um, so the answer to your question, Josh, is yes and yes, and availability on streaming services and a, and a watch and bet um, partnership with a bookmaker or broadcast partners to provide a separate stream for sports betting. Um, so that's our goal. It's going to take time to build. You know, lacrosse doesn't have an established marketplace for betting on lacrosse games like football does or college football or the NFL. Those are long established. And for many, many years, um, you know, a black market market for sports betting. But now as Canada is going to pass new legislation to enter into the online betting space and the U.S. state by state is coming online now, it's a real opportunity to create a product for fans to get them more engaged and more focused on betting on lacrosse games. It'll take time. It's not a short-term strategy. There's no yeah. pot of gold at the end of the rainbow short term, but, but long-term there's a very sustainable business to be developed in the sports betting space. Awesome. So I'll ask this one here and I'm going to throw these names out to you. San Diego, Philly, New York, Texas, and Vegas. And then I say Halifax. How does Halifax, how did that come about? How does that one fit in with that group of expansion, obviously Texas afterwards, but how do they fit in? I guess, obviously you talked about growing the footprint, you know, within the NLL, but those cities I just mentioned are definitely a lot larger, um, you know, have a lot more, I guess, sports history, you know, with the NFL, MLB, different teams coming through. Um, so why Halifax and what, you know, landed on that and what made it so good? So Halifax is a great story and a bit of a hybrid between expansion and relocation. Um, so uh, Dave Rowan, our former uh, COO, and I, uh, we wanted to make Canada a priority and bring a fifth team to Canada so we looked around and we had conversations in all the target cities, Ottawa, Montreal, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Halifax was on our radar. So as we did our research, our research really showed Halifax to be a very vibrant um, major league sports town starved city. And uh, we began 
conversations with NCs to manage social bank arena and just uh, one first visit to Halifax. We were like, Dave and I, I remember flying back from Halifax. We were like, holy cow, this is going to be an amazing city. All our research points to it. The mayor is unbelievable. The government's unbelievable. The fans are there. They're hungry for a major league team. So we started negotiations on the arena deal uh, with Carrie Cousins, the president of Events East, looking at Halifax as an expansion city. And then Kurt Stiers, um, at some point in that process, the owner, then owner of the Rochester Nighthawks, rang me up and said, I'd be interested in relocating. I'm, I'm having a tough time in Rochester. You know, he was renting the building there. Um, the team was kind of one of those teams that was struggling, not because of the ownership um, or the market, just the dynamics of the arena there were very difficult. So um, we started working with Kurt to relocate his team to Halifax, which, which, which is really what happened. Um, and then simultaneously to that, um, Pagula Sports and Entertainment were taking over the operations of the arena in Rochester and took over those operations and expressed interest to us in keeping the Nighthawks in Rochester, but as an expansion team. So the way it worked out, it was a simultaneous deal that the board approved, and it was a total win-win-win-win for everybody because the Nighthawks got to stay in Rochester under Pagula Sports Management and Operations. Kurt really got a, an amazing reward for being such a great owner over the years in a market like Halifax. We had negotiated a, an amazing arena deal for him and the fans, and obviously everybody turned out for the Thunderbirds, and now that's a you know, one of our flagship franchises up there. So it all turned out well. And, you know, that was part of all the work that we had to do to shore up ownership and create some stability um, with teams and markets uh, to, to make it happen. Now, I asked uh, John Catalanato, basically, uh, you know, executive of the year, I said, when you came to Halifax, did you expect this to be the way it was? And to be, you know, this great and everybody showing up and just the atmosphere and the fans and the fanfare around the team. And then, of course, the product on, they went, what, I think it was 8-0, you know, we're beating everybody, doing great. For you, did you expect that to happen, not just the on-field product, but obviously everything overall, to be that, I guess, entrenched in the community that fast and have that much readily going in for the Halifax Thunderbirds when they got here? Well, we, we weren't surprised um, because we had done a lot of research on the market. We had been to the market numerous times. You have to remember, this was over maybe a two-year period. So we spent a lot of time kind of knowing what we were in for in Halifax and why we, why we really recommended it to our board, um, which ultimately approved it to make it happen. So we weren't surprised. But I, I just was talking with John Catalano before I jumped on the plane this morning, and he... Um, uh, we, we were talking about an, another unrelated issue, but, but I, I guess I would say we're, we're just heartened by uh, the level of support that the Thunderbirds get uh, from the community. They're so relevant. Um, Kurt Stiers and, and John and the whole group up there that is making it happen on the ground is really integrating itself into the community and becoming uh, part of the fabric of that community, which is what every team needs to do. Every local team. I've run three teams in Major League Soccer, and the most important thing to any professional team 
in any sport in a community is to become the fabric of that community. And with all of their social programs and outreach programs that John has led and Kurt has supported in that marketplace, it's, it's not a surprise to me that they're getting the kind of results that they're getting and that there's such a buzz in the marketplace in Halifax. Well, you look at the overall setup and the game day setup, you look at teams coming in and they're probably going to look to Halifax to kind of emulate, you know, just the excitement. And we talked a little bit ago about, you know, getting back to the roots, the indigenous roots. And we really did that here in Halifax, you know, with the, the paddle to, you know, getting here, you know, the whole trip and the whole experience. Um, for you, what is in store for the NLL this year in terms of that and making sure that that is always recognized and going with the growth of the NLL? Well, you know, we, we're coming out of a five-year strategic plan that, that has been, in our view, um, very effective and very successful getting us to this point. Again, like I said earlier, we're, we're very humble and self-reflective about how we can do better, and we're, we're now putting the finishing touches on the next five years and what that next five-year plan looks like, with, and we're expecting similar growth. Um, I mean, the league's revenues have grown by over 700% over the last five years versus the previous five years. We've almost doubled the size of the league in terms of number of teams. We've grown new revenue streams that we have to invest in and continue to grow. Franchise values have dramatically increased over the last five years, and they'll continue to do that. Um, so I guess that's the answer to your question, Jamie. That's the expectation is that a little bit more of the same but with a heightened focus now on taking those revenue streams we've built, commercial sponsorship, media, e-commerce with fanatics, sports betting, and really um, rolling up our sleeves and growing those revenue streams. Because the league, the league will expand you know, one team a year. If we want to become a 30-team league, we have another 15 to 20 years of expansion. But after 20 years, that expansion revenue is going to dry up because you're not going to expand the league to 100 teams someday. Yeah. You're going to be capped at 30 or 36 teams someday. So these revenue streams that we've built and established over the last five years have to be nurtured and developed and grown because those revenue streams are sustainable, you know, presumably forever. And, and so that's what this next five-year business plan is all about. Well, I got, uh, I got two more things here on this, what we're talking about. You watch what the MLB has done with the, uh, the Field of Dreams game, and then you watch what the, uh, the NHL does with their outdoor game. For the NLL, I know right now we're still growing, and it's going to be a little while of growing, but is there any thought to putting a game like that together within the NLL to celebrate everything and bring everything together and have that kind of spectacle, especially when you got TSN coming on board? That right there is a big – juicy one where you can have all the sponsors and everybody coming in and a lot of eyes will be on it, especially you watch the optics of them walking through the cornfield, coming on the ball field, those things, people love it. They eat that up. I'm wondering if the NLL is going to be doing something similar. So Jamie, do you have um, our meeting rooms tapped or my cell phone? <laughs> oh, <laughs> breaking because, news. Um, the answer to that question is yes. I mean, we, we've been, probably having a lot of ongoing conversations over the last five years about all-star games and tentpole events. And, you know, we've built our draft into a tentpole events. It's really the only tentpole event the league has to date right now. Um, but absolutely. Um, actually part of my trip to Toronto this weekend is to meet with 
uh, or TSN, obviously, and yeah. event organizers to discuss um, doing something next summer in a big way. And these plans are still in their very early stages, but we are definitely talking about creating more tentpole events. You know, all, the all-star game concept needs a certain twist and a certain spin because I think fans are no longer interested in just a friendly game. No. They want to see a, a meaningful match yep. between two competitors. Um, and that's why the NBA has changed its all-star format and the NHL has gone to a reduced number of skaters in an all-star format to make it more interesting for the fans. We, we've got to do the same. We've got to develop. If we're going to do something, we're going to do it right and, and develop a format that is more interesting and clever for the fans to get engaged into. So um, you, you, uh, if I didn't know better, you, you, your question was aimed because you maybe heard so overheard something. <laughs> no, just, uh, just the thing that I, I see. And uh, for me, I like that stuff, right? Look at the Lake Louise with the NHL. You look at the ball field with the build, the field of dreams, yeah. that stuff, everybody gets attached to. And yeah. it's something you think about and you're like, Hey, I really want to see that. And I really want to see it done in the right way. And with the NLL and things being rolling the way that they are and being done in the right way, I could see it being a very, very big event. So oh, yeah. that's why I had to ask. And now I've got my answer. So now next summer, I'm going to be waiting to see what is announced and how it's going to come together. We're, we're on it and, and we're talking about it and we're exploring the opportunities and it just has to make sense. Um, it has to make sense for the, for the, the timing, the economics of it, the location of it's very important. And we, we don't want to do something that's going to be a dud because uh, that's not good for the fans. That's not good for our broadcast partners and our sponsors. And it's certainly not good for our PL. The The other question I have is you talk about growth and obviously getting the league up to 30 teams. Um, right now with summer and, you know, guys having other jobs, when contracts do end up being, I guess, more lucrative for players to kind of do this full time, I'm wondering, will the NLL have, a, you know, an NHL, NBA kind of style contract where you're in one league? Because I know a lot of guys play in the PLL uh, and other leagues as well. Um, is that something that will be down the line? Not asking you to spill any beads or say anything too detrimental to anybody who's listening to this, but I'm wondering, is that something that will be a focus where you are exclusive NLL property, like an exclusive contract? Well, uh, so there's a couple of questions in that question. Um, the first is, you know, our athletes need to become full-time. That is a fact. Yep. Um, because of the economics so far, we haven't been able to execute on them being full-time. And there's also other complexities to that. But I'll say by the time the NLL brings on its 16th team, which is very soon, Yep. Um, we're, we're going to really need to start consider, considering that. And we've been evaluating what full-time um, athletes look like. We have a subcommittee of our competition committee. It's called Product Improvement um, Committee. And that very small group of GMs um, and owners are evaluating full-time player possibilities and status. That's a more longer-term strategy longer term, near term, because team 16 is right yep. around the corner. Um, and what's driving that really is once we get the 16 teams, there's only so far we can stretch the schedule. Like there's only so many weekends you could play games and we're going to have to start looking at playing midweek games. And that's going to drive the decision, you know, to playing midweek games. We can't have part-time players. We have yep. to have players in market. 
The second part of your question is with within relation to the PLL. And we have a very close working relationship with them. Yep. Many of the owners and investors, I should say, in the PLL, not the owners, but the investors, because the PLL is a single entity, but many of the investors in that league are also investors in our league. And we have a very good working relationship with the PLL. We talk to them often about different strategies and tactics and all different parts of our business. If you look at the first thing both of us did was we lined up our seasons next to each other so players can have the ability to play in, in both leagues. And I would say we'll continue to do that. Um, there's no reason to further fragment the sport. There's no reason for an us and them type of uh, philosophy. We, we will continue to work with the PLL to figure out ways on how we can both have full-time athletes in some cases share those athletes because we actually think it's good that we have many players in, that play in the NLL that also play in the PLL and it's lacrosse. It shouldn't yeah. just be, this is yeah. box lacrosse and this is field lacrosse. It should be, this is lacrosse, whether it's box or field or now the new world games sixes version, lacrosse is lacrosse is lacrosse. Yeah. And so we, we, we're a little different in that way as a sport than say the NFL or the NHL or, or where there's, or soccer, where there's one version globally and that's it. Um, we have different disciplines and we shouldn't, we shouldn't um, silo ourselves in those disciplines because that just hurts the fans and that just hurts the exposure of the sport. So we'll, we'll always be looking to partner with everyone that we can at the highest of level to make sure that we formulate a structure in lacrosse that works for everybody. No, I that's fair. I love that you say that too, because you do see sometimes, like most notably or recently, is the NWHL and the PWHPA. They're trying to each be their own thing, and it is hurting women's hockey. So it's it's good to hear that you're trying to grow the game together instead of trying to knock each other out, which which I, I enjoy. Uh, I just want to ask you about the uh, the Hamilton team because they're coming. They're going to be five minutes down the road from me now. Obviously, they were the Toronto Rock, still going to be the Toronto Rock, but in Hamilton, and. They were it too much, but now I'm picking up more of a vibe. Um, are you getting? Are you going to be reaching more fans by being in Hamilton? Was that part of the move? What can fans expect from this team when well, they start Hamilton's playing? Hamilton's all part of the GTA, right? The yes, yes. Area and and. Um, uh, we, I get the ticket sales reports every Monday and Toronto is the Toronto rock are top, top of the list with two other teams in our league that are leading the way in, in season ticket sales and, and renewals. So I think the answer to your question, Josh is, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about what's happening with that move. And the Toronto rock are going to be the GTA's team and, and they'll be playing at the, First Ontario Center in, in downtown Hamilton, which I can't say enough good things about the management of that group. They really rolled the red carpet out for us. And um, Mike Scanlon, who's a senior executive at the company that manages that arena, is a good friend of mine, actually my former general manager of the soccer stadium that I operated here in Philadelphia. And he, um, he really had his GM and his whole staff roll the red carpet out for Toronto, for the Toronto rock and Jamie Dowick and his staff and really put together a good deal. So I, I think it has all the ingredients of huge success 
and the early signs are that it's going to be a very good home for a long time to come for the run. Yeah, awesome. I, I imagine it having uh, kind of the same atmosphere as a Ticats game, because when you go there, it's diehard fans. They love being there. So bringing another sports team in here is going to be awesome. Like, I'll definitely go and check out some games now that it's closer too. So I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be it can be a fresh look for the Rock, and I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah, for sure. Well, one last thing for me before we wrap up here today, Nick. And again, thank you very much for taking the time. I want to ask the question: Are you going to be in Halifax for a Thunderbirds game this season? <laughs> you can count on it. <laughs> there's no, there's no question about it. I, I can't wait to get on the road. I'm really looking forward to my first visit to Toronto this week and. Uh, definitely. Yeah, there's uh, my last game, actually, my last live game before we shut down in March was in Halifax um, a couple weeks before we had to cancel the season. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely be back. Well, we look forward to seeing you here in Halifax. Obviously, Josh, looks forward to seeing you in Toronto. And I look forward to a wink and a nod when you guys do your big tentpole event outdoors for the NLL. Thank you very much for joining us today. You bet. Thanks, Jamie. Keep your fingers crossed on that. Yep, thanks. We'll get there. there. All right, everybody. This is Offside Lacrosse. Lacrosse comes to talk.